Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We are in this series uh, starting it today called God With Us, and we get our text from Matthew uh, chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 23, really for the whole series, and it says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will, with, you will give birth to a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you and will never forsake you. The Lord your God is, is with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. We serve a God. We believe in a God. We follow a God that is with us. He's for us, and he's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And we are encouraged by that in Psalms chapter 23. In verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is David writing, and he says, many of you probably have heard the scripture. It's funny because these have been played in movies where the guys or girls will say, you know what, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, when they're about to kill an alien or something, that's what they use. I don't know why. But it's interesting that even the world knows this verse, but it's such an incredible verse that we understand that we serve a God who is for us, that will never leave us and never forsake us. And so no matter what we walk through, Though I walk through some of the darkest valleys, the scripture says, you're with me. And I want to talk to you about that today, about God with us in the valleys. God with us in our valley seasons. There are all different types of seasons on this planet. We go through seasons like mountaintop seasons where everything's going great and we're celebrating. We can feel the closeness of God and we're celebrating with things going on. There's just so much happening and we're just blessed. And when I say blessed, I'm not necessarily talking about with stuff, but just in our soul and we're just feeling good. And so there's these mountaintop experiences where we can literally almost feel the presence of God in our lives, in our daily walk. And then there are also valley seasons. Seasons where a valley really represents seasons of struggle and trials and tribulations and things that we may walk through, things that may have uh, tragedy and grief and the loss and, and exhaustion and different things like that that we may walk through really is what the valley season is. I want to talk to you about that. How do we really as Christians, as believers, walk through valley seasons? Because we all go through tough times. Every human on the planet whether you're a Christian or not, we all walk through seasons of hardship. So how do, we, how do we really walk through that? And I'm glad you asked. I see in these six verses just a few things that David help, shows us to help us, how we really walk through these darkest valleys, moments, seasons in our lives. In verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. In John 10, verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. The scripture says, I am a good shepherd and I know my sheep. He says in verse one, we just read it. He is a good shepherd. I lack nothing. He's my shepherd. Here's what we have to remember. In every season, good, easy, tough, or bad, we know that one, God is with us, but not only is he with us, he knows us. He knows me. In the seasons of hardship that you are walking through, he knows you. It's very easy in a a time of trial or a time of trouble or a time of hardship, it's so easy for us to feel like we're all alone. We can feel like we're walking through it on our own. We can feel like we're struggling through it on our own. We can feel like we're, we're having, there's hardship. And so we're just, we're, just, we're just toiling and we're just struggling to try to get through. But I want you to know, he knows you. Not only does he know you, he cares for you. You know, many of you know this, but just recently in November, the world, the planet, we passed uh, the number of eight billion humans on the planet. Many of you probably heard. If you didn't hear, you're better than me. I still watch the news sometimes, okay? And so, uh, but 8 billion people, 8 billion people on this planet at this time. We're not talking about anybody that's that's been before us, not anybody after us. And this season, this moment on the planet, there are over 8 billion people. And the term 8 billion is just such a, a ginormous number that really it's hard for us to wrap our brains around how big and how many people that really is. In fact, statistically, they say with 8 billion people that if everybody, all 8 billion, if we locked arms hand in hand and we just stood and we just got on the street and we just started all as far as we could go, we just all locked arms, 8 billion of us, that we would wrap around the earth 135 times. We would wrap around this planet over 135 times if we just locked arms together. If you're like, uh, what does that mean? In fact, it, if we all locked arms statistically, it says it on Google, so it has to be true. You know what I'm saying? They say with eight, eight billion people, if we all locked arms, that we could actually, we would, from this planet, we could go to the moon and back nine times. Now, let me tell you something. If that's us and we're going to the moon and back, I'm one of the ones locking arms on this planet. You up in space floating around touching the moon, not me. I promise you, I'm on the ground where gravity is. Come on, somebody. But that being said, there's such a large number of humans on this planet. And so here's what happens when we hear things like that. And we hear about the galaxies and how, how NASA is still finding galaxies. And, and, we, and as far as they can see and as far as the telescope will go, we still see more. And God's so big and he's so huge. And that's all true. But the problem about that sometimes is that we can feel so small that we can almost feel like we're irrelevant. We can feel like our problems are too small, our problems are unseen, or we can feel unheard, or we can feel like almost lost. You ever been in a very, very large crowd and you're like, nobody on this, nobody knows who I am, what I'm, and you almost feel like you're lost. You know what I'm talking about? We can sometimes feel like that spiritually. I'm going through this hardship and I've been praying, I've been trying, I've been asking, and I just feel like I'm walking through this season. God, what, where are you? What are you doing? I'm here to tell you, he knows you. In fact, he doesn't just know 8 billion people. The Bible says that he knows every hair on our heads. He knows the number, the Bible says, of the hair on our head. Do you know? Statistically, go to Google. That's what it says. Statistically, it says that there are, on average, a human has about 100,000 hairs on your, our head. Some of us a little bit more. Some of us a little bit less. 
We're praying, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting a little older, the line's kind of, it's all good, I'm praying, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of brush it a certain way, you know what I'm saying? It's all good. Some people know, some people don't. Young people, we hate you, but it's all good, it's all good. Here's what's interesting. He doesn't just know eight billion people by name because he knows us by name. Not only does he know eight billion people by name, but here's the incredible thing about the God that we serve. He knows 100,000 hairs on all 8 billion people's names, on lives. Here's what I want to encourage you with with that. Why does the Bible say that? Why does the Bible tell us about our hair? Because the Bible wants us to know that God is for us. He's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But he also wants us to know that he cares about the every detail that we walk through in our lives. And we can feel sometimes isolated. We can feel like we're, and we, we're walking through tough times. or walk, We can feel like the, that he's not seeing us, but he does. He sees you. Not only does he see you, he cares about every detail in your life. And we have to remember that in the valley season because the valley season can feel lonely almost or feel... If feel isolated. We serve a God who knows us. And this is, should be an encouragement to all of us. In Psalm chapter 23 and verse two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. David's speaking here and he says, he says, listen, I want you to know the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. But then not only do I lack nothing, he goes to verse two and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The incredible thing about the God that we serve in the valley season and every season is that he gives us rest. He gives us rest. I love in this scripture right here that it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. It doesn't say he lets me. Why? Because if it said he lets me, none of us would do it. We are a culture and a society that loves the concept and thought of rest, but nobody does. I love that it says he makes me, meaning, hey, stop. Too much going on, too much you got going, just, just slow, stop, rest. And I believe this, God has called all of us to be a people that rest. In our valley seasons, we can get so overwhelmed with all the things happening in life. We can get so overwhelmed with work or with relationships or frustrations. We get so overwhelmed that here's what happens. We can almost forget to rest and then we start to live on empty. We are a culture, in fact, that doesn't just not rest. We are a culture actually that celebrates busyness. We celebrate the concept of I'm busy. In fact, we almost walk carried around like a medal or a trophy where we say, oh yeah, I'm on the verge of burnout because I've been working, I've been going so hard or so long. And here's the thing, that's great. There are seasons where you may have to work more, but that's not the concept in how God desires for us to live. He desires to make us take moments where we rest. And in fact, I'll say this, we're a society that lives this way. We work, 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 we work. We rest. We work, 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 we rest. We work, 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 rest. It was a terrible dad joke, but it's okay. But in fact, here's what happens. We've gotten to a place as a culture where we work to rest. But in fact, I believe that's the exact opposite of the kingdom and how God desires for us to live, that we're not supposed to work to rest, we're supposed to work from rest. If you look in the scripture, in the, New, in the Old Testament, in the very beginning of time, and Adam and Eve were created, the Bible says that God created them on the sixth day. Then the Bible says on the sixth day, he makes man, he makes woman, and then it says right after that, and then he 
creates day seven. And on day seven, the Bible says that he rested from all of his labor. So we get the concept of us thinking we work, 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 rest, because this is what God did. He worked six days and then he rested on the seventh. But that's not how he set it up for humanity. That's how he set it up for himself. How he set it up for humanity is very interesting. He worked, he worked, 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 worked. He, he, he created them on day six. And the very next day, day seven, he started their life out with rest. The culture and the society says, work, 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 rest. I would say God says, rest. And then from rest, we overflow into our work. Because here's what happens. If I don't, if I work, 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 and, I, and then I rest. And I don't rest and then work. Here's what's going to happen. Now I'm work, 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 working. Oh, man, it's Wednesday. And, whew, I just got to make it to Saturday. Or, oh, man, I got three more weeks till my vacation. And I'm work, 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 and then resting. And here's what happens. Now if we have to work on a Saturday or we have to work on a Sunday, now I'm living on empty. And so now here's what happens. I blow up on my spouse or I blow up on a coworker or I'm frustrated with my life or I start thinking all kind of crazy thoughts in my head. I start going on and all, it's all because now I'm living on empty because I was hoping for rest instead of resting and then working. Does that make sense? And y'all know how it is. We start to get where we, we're exhausted. We start to get tired. Y'all know our brains be thinking some crazy stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about, like, you be thinking some weird stuff, like, nobody else knows, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're at work, you've been working all week, or you've been thinking, man, I've been working 60 hours, and, oh, man, I've been at school for the last, uh, 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 and, uh, oh, man, I got all these tests, I got all these, and you're like, man, maybe I should just, like, quit, and maybe I should just, like, move to another country where no one knows me. <laughs> no! Like, I could just give it all up. Yeah, like, your problems aren't gonna follow you. Why? Your stuff's not your problem. You are. <laughs> but here's the thing. It would be like this. It would be like us saying, okay, we're going to ride the car and drive the car all the way till it's empty. And then when it's empty, now, because we don't have time for, the, for gas, and some of us do this, now we're just going to keep driving it, and we're just going to hope for the best that it's not going to empty us out. The purpose of how we live is we fill the tank up and then from being full, then we drive. It's the same thing with life. The purpose of why God created rest was not just so that we could be a bunch of lazy bums. No, the purpose of rest is so that we could get full and then from being full, now we can go and overflow into our world. And when we say rest, I'm not just talking about sleeping till noon, college students. We love you. That's not what we're talking about. When I say rest, I mean spiritual rest away from the noise of the world and giving you an opportunity to go <sighs> in your soul to where now you can go and if a coworker starts throwing you under the bus, it's okay, I have peace, I have joy. Uh, because why? Because I'm full in the spirit and so I'm able to overflow into my world. Does that make sense? It's so important we understand this. In the, in the valley season, this is, we have to be very careful of this because in the valley season, there's hard time and it's even easy for, easier for us to get frustrated or even easier for, us, easier for us to get overwhelmed. We have to make sure that we're taking time to allow ourselves to be spiritually renewed and by doing that, we rest, we rest. We make sure that we're taking time to rest. Psalms chapter 23 and verse three, it says, he refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. God doesn't just want us to, we're at rest, but he also wants to refresh us. 
He wants to refresh our very soul. I love this because in a valley season, again, we can feel isolated. We can feel like it's a hardship. We can feel dry. We can feel weary. We can feel exhausted. And I love that he walks with us. He's never left us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And then it's, he not only does that, but he refreshes my soul. In seasons of life where we walk through, maybe it's relational tensions with someone. Maybe it's financial tensions. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but I do know this. God desires for you to know. He wants to refresh you. Oftentimes, when we walk through hardship, trial, valleys, oftentimes our prayers are things like, God, get me out of this. God, remove this. God, take this away from me. God, get me, just get, just get me gone. I wanna be, get, just whatever you gotta do to get rid of it, God, get rid of it. But God, and then when I get out of it, now, here's what happens. I'm in, I'm in, I'm praying, I'm praying. And then when I get out of it, then I can be refreshed. And, man, that was a tough season, but woo. Okay, God, your presence. Woo. I just need to be refreshed over and over and over. Oh God, I need like 20 days. Just to refresh. God, I, got, I need a detox of your refreshment. You know what I'm saying? But if that's the case, then that would mean that God refreshes us and before the journey. And then in the journey, we're just struggling. We're just limping along. We're just trying. We're just trying to figure it out and make it. And then afterwards, then we get refreshed again. No, that's not how God works. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is with us in the valley, meaning this. He wants to refresh us today. He doesn't just want to refresh us after the journey. He wants to refresh us in the journey. He wants to refresh your soul in your troubles today. He wants to take care of your trouble in your heart and your soul. He wants to renew you and refresh you today. There are places, and this, this microphone's driving me nuts. There are places on the planet that have mountains, and it's called the shadow, uh, let me read it, rain shadow. It's called the rain shadow, okay? Let me make sure I got it right. It's called the rain shadow. There are places in our country, in our world, that have something called a rain shadow. A rain shadow is when there's mountains and there's valleys, and then when the mountain, what happens is there'll be there are places where the, the weather on one side of the mountain gets completely all the rain, a ton of rain. And then because the mountain peak is so high, it actually will break up the weather storm. And so the other side of the mountain gets absolutely no rain at all. There's a picture I wanna show you. This is in Hawaii. This is one of the mountains in Hawaii. This is what it looks like. A rain shadow is one side of the mountain. See, it gets all the, gets all the grass, gets all the rain. It's flourishing. It's bountiful. It's beautiful. And then on the other side, right where the mountain peak, you can see where the mountain peak is. On the other side, the valley's down by the ocean on one side and the other side down here in the corner, that's where the valley is there. See, one valley is completely flourishing and the other valley is not. And it's the same area. Oftentimes, this is how it is with life. We can have things where we're flourishing in one area. We can be flourishing financially. And man, God's been blessing me. God's been providing for me. God's been giving me promotions. Man, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed at how good he is financially. But then emotionally, we feel dry. Something's not right emotionally in my heart, my soul. I'm longing for something and I don't know what, or maybe it's your soul and your spirit. Maybe it's strong, man. You've been praying, you've been reading. You're like, man, I've been living closer. To, I feel closer to God than I ever have. But then over here on the other side, relationally, you're like, man, I've been waiting for my spouse. I'm like, I'm spiritually, I'm strong. God, you said if, I, if I'm running with you and I'm just looking at you and then somebody's gonna come running alongside and then we're gonna grab arms and we're just gonna just go off into the abyss. God, where are you? 
What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm healthy and flourishing in one area, but then I'm dry in another. Or maybe relationally you've been flourishing and you're just growing and you, you just got a, a great group of people, godly people around you, and you're just living right. But then mentally over here, I'm feeling dry and I'm, I'm, not, I'm in this valley season. And so there's this interesting thing that happens where we oftentimes when we walk through a valley season, it's not every area, it's just a part of something going on. And here's what God wants you to know. He wants you to know that he desires to refresh you in that area. It's not that he's forgotten about you in that season, in that area of your life. It's not part of just who you are and just part of the way it is. No, he wants to refresh you in your life. And here's the interesting thing. Sometimes those areas that feel dry are not your fault. This right here is not the valley's fault. The purpose of why it's dry is not the valley's fault. See, here's what happens. Oftentimes we'll say, well, you know, maybe I'm, I haven't been praying enough or I haven't been reading enough or I haven't been friendly enough or I don't look pretty enough or I have all these reasons why it's my fault why I'm not receiving what it is that I'm desiring. No, sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes God allows us to walk through valley seasons. Why? Because he desires to use them to help us grow and others grow. Could it be that you've not received the refreshing or the, the, the answer? I'm not gonna say refreshing because he wants to refresh you in that moment. But could it be that you've not received the answer that you've been believing for because he's trying to do something in you or in someone else? Because here's what I know. No season is wasted with God. I'll say it again. No season is wasted with God. The good and the bad, the right and the wrong, the healthy and the pain, no season is wasted with God. If, if, if a valley season is wasted, well, we're just trying to get through it, get through it, limp along, and then we can get onto God's plan later after we get out of the valley and we can be refreshed. If that was the case, then that means God would create seasons of our lives that would be a complete waste. That's not what he does. Every season of our life, in fact, I love it. Oftentimes, it's so interesting. Oftentimes, the valley seasons that we walk through create and cause us to begin to seek God and it creates refreshing and it creates bountifulness later on in life because we've had to change, direct, shift, do something that we wouldn't have normally done if we would have been bountiful in that season. Does that make sense? And so it's so important you understand this. He desires to refresh you. In Psalms chapter 84, I love it. In verse, in verse uh, five, it says, blessed are those whose strength are in the Lord. Blessed are those whose strength in the Lord. He desires to refresh us. How, do we do, how does he do that? By strengthening us. Here's what I tell people. If there is no God, or I don't believe in God, and if God is not for me, or God is not with me, then that means my strength is all I have. That means when I get to the end of my strength, that's all I have. Can I tell you something? I'm so grateful that we serve a God that is with us and to never leave me, never forsake me. Why? Because my strength can't get me through some valley seasons. And here's what's cool. When we get to the end of our strength, that's when God takes over. When we get to the end of our strength, that's when his strength comes on. The Bible says, we, we, Paul says it. He says, in my strength, you are made strong. He makes us strong through, and he shows himself strong in our weaknesses. In my weakness, you are made strong. 
I remember many years ago now, four years ago or so, a little less than four years ago, uh, when we started this church, uh, we started it at Leon High School. Many of you probably know, you may not, we were a portable church. We were set up and breakdown every single week. Some of you actually still are here that would helped us do that, but uh, some are not. And if you didn't know, we were a portable church, so meaning we literally showed up at Leon High School super early in the morning. We set everything up, and then we had service, and we tore everything down, put it into trailers, and left. Now, we had in our two trailers, they had these very large, what they call portable cases. And these portable cases were on wheels, and they were probably about seven feet high and probably about, I don't know, three or four feet wide. And our team, I love them to death, I love them, but they would stuff so much stuff in these things. I'm talking about they would shove everything you could possibly shove. I mean, the things were always like almost, almost popping open. They would shove uh, lighting stuff in there. They would shove anything you could shove, they'd shove into one of the things. Well, at Leon High School, I don't know if you've ever been, but in the back of Leon High School, they had this very large hill that like goes down into Leon High School. And so what we would have to do, we couldn't take the trailer down into that area. So we would have to roll our, these big cases up this hill to get them back into the trailer. So rolling them down, it was like, I uh, hope for the best, you know what I'm saying? But then going up, we would have to shove these big old cases up this hill, almost mountain, praise God, it was like a mountain to me, almost up this mountain to get them back onto the trailer. Well, one time, it was like, it was, we were uh, uh, loading everything back up, and it was after church, and uh, we were, we were, we were out, I was outside, and there was one of the cases were out there, and nobody else was out there. And they were, they were loading up and getting stuff together in the lobby and the auditorium so we could put it back on the trailer. When nobody's out there, it's one case, I said, ah, I can do it. So here's what I do. I get around it. I push it. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I knew I'm so big and I'm so strong. This is going to be an ease. This is going to be a breeze. Okay, no problem. Okay, and so, and that's a joke. Okay, that's not what I think. Okay, anyways, and so I said, you know what? Most of these dudes can just push it. What I need to do is I need to get a running start because I'm a little smaller than some of these guys. And so some of y'all, you were there, you know what the hill I'm talking about. We backed it all, I backed it all the way up and I just said, okay, I'm going. I just, I started pushing as fast as I could. I roll it up the hill, I'm pushing up the hill and I get like, the hill's like, like here, I get to like right here. And as I get to about right here, everything starts to slow down a little bit. It's like slow, slow. And I'm like, uh, and I get like almost like, I'm talking about three feet from like the peak of making it. And all of a sudden the thing stops. Now, here I am, arms stretched out, true story, arms stretched out, I'm like. <laughs> First reaction, I start calling somebody, I start calling people, I'm yelling everybody's name that I can think of that's, at the, that's in the Leon Auditorium. Nobody hears me because I'm outside, they're inside, and all of a sudden, something happened. It went from here to all of a sudden, it was here, and the next thing you know, it was here, next thing you know, it was like this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this thought came to me, I'm in trouble. I can't do this by myself. And so here's what I did. I just said, well, Lord, you got it. I let the thing go. See you later. Walk ride down the mountain. <laughs> One of the other guys came out. He was, a, he was a college kid. Praise God. College kids are a lot stronger. We love you, but we hate you in the same time. And so the college dude came out because I was like, hey, bro, come help me with this. I didn't tell him anything that happened. I said, hey, bro, let's just do it together just in case. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing though, here's the thing. I know I'm being funny, but here's the thing. I could not do it on my own. In my own strength, I could not do it on my own. I got to the point, I had to get to the point in my realization in my own brain to know I cannot do this alone. It's the same thing through some seasons in our lives. We have to get to this. And I think, I really do believe this, that sometimes God allows us to walk through valley seasons waiting on us to just say, 
I can't do this on my own. I can't. I need your help. I got, I got, you got to help me in this. I, I've struggled with this. I've toiled with this. I've prayed over this. I've been trying. I've been waiting on this. But God, I've gotten to the end of my own strength. I need your help. And I believe it. I believe that's the best place we can be spiritually. Where we get to the place. Because we are such independent people. We are such independent people that we can allow ourselves, hear me, we can allow ourselves to think that our knowledge or our experience will carry us spiritually. And that's not what happens. He is the one that carries us. He's the one that refreshes us. He's the one that strengthens us. So he allows us to get to that point where we start to, and next thing you know, I'm here. And okay, God, I don't know what else to do. God, I just need your help. And here's what happens. He comes and he refreshes us and he strengthens us for the journey that's ahead of us. It's so important that you understand this. If you're in a valley season, or maybe you're not, all good, that we serve a God that's with you. And not only is he with you, he desires to refresh you right where you are. Psalms chapter 23 and verse six, as I close today, it says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, your goodness and your love. Another translation says mercy. Surely, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is with us in our valleys, in the seasons of our valleys, in our trials, in our struggles, in our hardships. He's with us. He wants us to know that he knows us. He knows where you are. He knows what you're feeling. He cares. He doesn't just know, he cares. He wants to give us rest. He wants to refresh us. But also, he desires to bless us. I love David here. He says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. When we hear the term in church world, when we hear the term blessed or he wants to bless me, we automatically think hashtag blessed. Hashtag, man, I've been blessed. Man, my promotion. Hashtag, man, I got the new house. Hashtag, blessed. Man, I got the new car. Hashtag, I got the boat. Hashtag, oh man, I got so, I'm so blessed out, outwardly. Oh man, I am, he has blessed me. And that's true. But I would say this. His goodness is not just the blessing of his hand. I would say this. His goodness is not just his hand. His goodness is his heart. And what I mean by that is this. He says, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me. Now stop, pause. If you have to know what's going on in Psalms chapter 93, 23, excuse me. Many theologians believe that Psalms 23, he wrote this in the middle of a cave when Saul was chasing him. The king of an entire country, an entire kingdom was chasing him trying to kill him, trying to destroy him, trying to destroy his legacy. He's in a cave, probably this wet, moldy, hard rock cave, a valley. He takes an opportunity to write, and he says, I'm looking around. Surely your goodness and your mercy follow me, follows me all the days of my life. Now hold up, David. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second, David. Whoa, 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 David. Whoa, David. Whoa. 
I'm looking around this cave here, buddy, and I hate to tell you, this ain't good. This doesn't look super nice. I hate to tell you, this ain't five-star. You felt that pillow? That's a rock. That ain't a pillow. I want feathers, not pebbles. You know what I'm saying? How are you saying this is good, David? I believe he was saying his goodness and his mercy would follow him, not because of what he had, but because he knew God's heart. And here's God's heart. He loves you. He's for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. As I was studying over this message, probably only three or four times, I'm just being real with you, probably only three or four times that if I feel, feel like I felt God say something so strongly as I did with this. I believe the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, he's proud of you. He's proud of you. He's proud of you. He's proud of you. Well, not me, not me. No, no, you don't understand. Not me like you don't know. Like I've been, I've been trying so hard and like I just don't feel like I'm doing enough and I haven't read my Bible enough or I haven't prayed enough or you don't know what I was doing a couple days ago or you don't know what I've been praying for. You don't know about my relational tensions and my relationship with my wife or my spouse or my man or my wife. You don't understand. Not me. He's proud of others. Not me. Yes. You. I want you to know today. I'm telling you, I felt the Holy Spirit. I was just praying Today, I want you to know, and I hope you don't hear my words. I hope you hear his words. He is proud of you. If you call yourself, hear me, if you have confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you are saved, you call yourself a Christian, you have been adopted into the sonship or the daughtership of God. You are a son or a daughter. If you are a son or a daughter, I want you to know he is proud of you today, not by something you have accomplished or achieved, but because of who he is. He loves you and is proud of you. He's proud of you. I haven't done enough. I'm not good enough. We never will be. Well, you don't understand what it's been like at home by myself. And you don't know my thoughts and you don't know my emotional state. I want you to know. He's proud of you. And he loves you. Well, you don't know what I've been saying to people and you don't know how, I don't care. He doesn't care. He wants you to know today. He's proud of you. Oh my goodness, surely his goodness will follow us all the days of our lives. Why? Because it's not about what we do or what we say or how we achieve things. He loves us so much that just because we're trying, just because we're believing, just because we're, we're doing what we gotta do, we're calling out to him, because of who he is, he loves us and he's proud of us. Does that mean we're not supposed to read our Bibles? No. It's not what I'm saying. Does that mean we don't have to pray? No, it's not what I'm saying. But I do know this. We live in such an achievement-type society that we can almost think that our achievements will line up with what our relationship with God should look like. And our achievements have nothing to do with who God is or how much he loves us or how proud he is of us. See, as humans, what we do, our dads, 
We, they're, they're, we, we get proud of our children or, or our dads get proud of us by the accomplishments, our achievements. And so we, we, we work to receive those accomplishments and dad's proud and so we feel proud. And that's great, that's all good. But that is not God the Father. God the Father says, you know what? I'm proud of you. Well, I haven't done anything. I'm proud of you. Well, I messed up. I'm proud of you. Well, I haven't read my Bible. I'm proud of you. Well, I'm not doing it the way you want me to do it. I'm proud of you. Why? Because he loves you. I pray that you don't hear my words, I pray you hear his. If you're in a valley season or you're not, I want you to know if you're in a tough time or a good time, I want you to know he is proud of you and your circumstances do not change his character. He's proud of you whether you see it or you don't. He's proud of you whether you feel it or you don't. He loves you. And surely his goodness and his mercy follows us all the days of our lives. Oh my goodness, I pray that as you leave today, you get in your car. God has been rocking me this week. I'm just being vulnerable. He's been rocking me this week. I pray you get in your car. I pray you find time by yourself and I pray that you would just thank him for his goodness. Because no matter what we do, no matter if anybody knows us, no matter if anybody ever sees us, no matter how, how many accomplishments, no matter how many Bible verses, no, no matter what it is, he still will always choose to love us. This is the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you today. He's proud of you. So wherever you are, whatever season of life you're in, I pray that you would know that he's with you and he'll never leave you and never forsake you. Amen. Can we pray?